Hi, I'm Mike Phil. I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Generic Ad. Join us every Wednesday as we talk about films that seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the film, maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. You never know, you might find your own forgotten gem. Forgotten Cinema is available wherever you get your podcasts or at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are a proud part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. I swear I talk more in the episodes. Hello and welcome to Recent Activity, your new favorite entertainment review podcast that attempts to cover every film, every show, all at once. I am your co-host Andrew Morgan. With me as always is the man I loved who died and came back a total dick. It's Shane Beauregard. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> How are you, sir? It was a uh, we're back in the MCU, Shane. Aren't you happy? <laughs> I'm actually great for this time around. We'll get into it, but I'm actually happy to be in this pocket right now. Yeah, especially you know we're coming off of uh, you know most people just borderline suicidal after <laughs> what's happened after Spider-Man: No Way Home, uh, and now we're in Phase Five. We're sitting here staring at only Ant-Man Quantumania before this, and then also reading every headline of Jonathan Majors and going, oh boy, <laughs> where's the MCU <laughs> going to be heading after this? But I, the one thing that's been weird, man, we're going to talk Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 today. If you have not watched this movie, we'll probably be lightly non-spoilery to start, and then we're going to just rip it all to shreds because that's what you do with the MCU because it's all about where we were, where we are now, and where it's going from here. And I gotta say, that even just the the rest of Phase Five, man, I feel I feel almost bad for them, but they kind of set their own deal with the the Jonathan Majors thing and everything else. But the he's not even in the rest of Phase Five the way it's currently laid out and the writer strike is doing them no favors either because I heard they stopped production on blade and I didn't know where they were in production on the other ones that they have. Uh, the only one I know is obviously there's trailers for the Marvels at this point. And after that, you know, Captain America, new world order, Thunderbolts. It's like, could be fun, you know, but we'll see. Uh, but like I said, we will focus right now on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, the third installment from writer-director James Gunn, who again, for everybody to remind you, uh, you know, the Jonathan Majors thing is not the only controversy they've ever had um, because James Gunn was fired from this movie, if everyone remembered, uh, for his old tweets and uh, a lot of that controversy around the same time ABC or Disney was firing other people like Roseanne and whoever else uh, around the same time. And it got, you know, he got caught in that thing. And then he was hired back because they were like, oh, no one cares. DC's getting great product from him. Uh, let's finish this up. Let's get him back in the fold. Um, and he also had people like Dave Batista and whoever else uh, championing him to come back. So, was it worth it is what we'll kind of go through it today. Um, the initial scores are off the charts. It's an 82% Rotten Tomato score with a 95% Rotten Tomato audience score, 65 Metascore, 8.4 IMDb, and a 4.2 letterbox. That is crazy high. This, of course, is uh, us 
Coming back into a team that's, you know, all over the place. They're reeling from the loss of Gamora, but Gamora is now back. It's Peter Quill and the team rallying to defend the universe and one of their own rocket, uh, you know, in this one. It's a big rocket version, volume, whatever you will. It's basically his whole origin story. I could get into it more, but it felt a little X2. Like, he's now Wolverine, and there's a lot of, like, Wolverine crossover. I don't know if you thought the same thing, Shane. I Uh, did. But um, basically, we're looking at a mission that could mean the end of the Guardians if not successful. Uh, This movie made $282.1 million over the weekend, but only 114 domestic. I it's so weird when we're in the stage we are these days where 282 million is a not a failure, but kind of also a red flag. I'll give you some numbers, Shane. Ant-Man 3 did 106 domestically. Mm. Guardians I thought would have done a lot more. Yeah. And it did 114. So only 8 million more. In comparison to some of the recent ones, Wakanda Forever did 181, and it didn't have Chadwick Boseman. Uh, Thor Love and Thunder did 144, and that's a third in a franchise that, you know, or excuse me, four. Fourth. Fourth of a franchise, and, you know, a lot of question marks as to what that movie was going to be, and it still did $30 million more domestically. Doctor Strange did 187. So that was like more in the Wakanda Forever territory. Um, and of course, you know, they had the big number with Spider Man No Way Home doing 260 million domestically. And that was during big, big uh, spike in coronavirus, too, at the end of 2021. So, you know, and of course, then they had Eternals and Shang-Chi, where it was like they were just happy to be playing during the coronavirus. And even <laughs> right. then, those made in the 70s. Like seventy-one to seventy-five million category, so not exactly strong or as strong that I thought. I thought this movie would have projected to be closer to at least Thor: Love and Thunder levels, if not back to what kind of Forever Doctor Strange numbers. So, I guess before we get into the movie itself. Are you feeling the superhero fatigue? I mean, we've talked about the MCU issues, uh, you know, and especially coming off Ant-Man. Did you? I thought this movie was kind of like separate from the MCU because it's not really fully tied. And I think a lot of people just were like, eh, whatever. Yeah, I'm a little surprised because Guardians is, as you know, is a good franchise. A lot of people love the characters, Peter Quill, Drax, all that stuff. I thought this movie would perform a little better. But it goes to show you, based on the prior performances since Spider-Man No Way From Home, ah, between Marvel and DC, I mean, seriously, like, what's the last, like, really good movie they put out? Like, uh, I think people are getting fatigued. And I I called it way back after Endgame. I said, that's the end of Marvel. That was its peak. It can't get any better. Right. I don't know where they go from here. It's not going to work. Like, I'll still see the movies. You'll still see the movies because we're into that stuff. But we we already peaked right. in the MCU. So DC with James Gunn could be finding his footing. But still, between Black Adam, Shazam, like, yeah, uh, there's, there's nothing that caught fire. So I'm a little disappointed with the numbers this movie brought in because we'll get into it. But 
it should have done better than love uh, uh thor love and thunder which i love thor but we both discussed that movie and it was just not up to par and yeah. but so i really do think people are just fatigued with superhero movies i really do i think it'll i think it'll take maybe blue beetle which i would if i had a guess would do between 100 and 125 but considering that's a character no one knows I think will be a big hit. I think it's going to take something that no one really knows about to come and hit us with a good action movie and a good, just a, you know, just a good movie period that there's a character that no one really knows about. And maybe blue beetles, that movie that changes the course of just superhero movies in general. Uh, I'm hearing good things about the flash to be honest with you. Yeah. So uh, we'll we'll see, but I do think people are finally getting to the point where like, okay, man, it's been like 13 years yeah, I'm kind of over it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So. Well, I think the MCU didn't do them any favors by, I believe it's six years to the day that it took between volume two and volume three. Yeah. Uh, so, and in between time, you honestly, I don't think they do a very good job of directing the Guardians outside of the Guardians movies. And I, we mentioned in Love and Thunder how much we are like, these don't even feel like the Guardians in that movie uh, and they didn't act like their characters and they were doing things that their characters really wouldn't do. It wasn't a lot of fun, etc. And then like, you're talking about like what at the end of infinity war, you know, Peter Quill makes a huge mistake and really kind of like acts out of revenge and can't kill Gamora and the whole thing with that, like that, you know, kind of set them back a little bit too and this is what all that we've seen them in between except for the holiday special special which i very much enjoyed but you don't get a lot of like the whole team really coming together it was kind of like almost like a a drax and mantis side project you know in a way right so yeah i i think that didn't help at all and then obviously where the mcu is at this point uh has not helped and Obviously, there's probably a lot of confusion as to where they're going to go, you know, because even a lot of these movies that are coming after, which I mentioned, I don't see a lot of direction. I see a lot of one-offs. So where it's building, I I don't know. I see almost more world-building stuff on the TV side, which is not helpful with like something like Secret Invasion. But I, I as it looks right now, I, I think they're just hoping that Thunderbolts can kind of be like the new Guardians now that Guardians is kind of going to the wayside but the the good news is that this movie got exceptional reviews obviously as we're coming into it how did you enjoy this movie i guess we can get right into like initial thoughts because i i thought you know at least the storytelling was consistent with it it's interesting that they kind of position rocket the way they did but i'm really all over the place about this movie so i kind of want to hear your thoughts and maybe i can kind of Get Ugh. my my feelings in and out uh, of those conversations. <laughs> okay, and, and we'll get into details, obviously. But overall, when this movie got over, I enjoyed it. Okay, it, it's a little bloaty at two hours and thirty minutes. It it's, is. it's a little bloated. Yeah, I I don't know how I feel about the whole rocket. How the whole storyline is centered around Rocket. I get it. Uh, it's I will say this: it's better than the second one by far. But it's not as good as the first one. Yeah. So overall, I thought it's probably the best movie they put out since Spider-Man No Way at Home. But 
I enjoyed it. It was entertaining. They brought the humor back. There's some plot points that I didn't care much. Like Adam Warlock felt like a plot device to move the story forward. Yeah. Um, they didn't do much with developing that character as much as they like at the end of the second movie, they were like, you know, uh, it was like going to be a big reveal and he was going to be prominent in the third movie, which he really wasn't. Right. Which was kind of a letdown. He was kind of like a MacGuffin to the whole movie. And he's a dimwit. Uh, yeah, he's a dimwit. <laughs> which I don't know much about that comic character. I'll be honest with you. I, I know either. he's like super. Yeah. yeah, I know he's like super powerful and all that kind of stuff, which they portrayed in this version uh, of the movie. But I thought his character development fell way short. Like if you cut him from the movie, you don't lose anything from the movie at no, all. I don't think period. so. Period. Yeah. So the high evolutionary. I kind of liked as a villain. I liked what he was doing with the whole creating the superior species with Rocket and all the other animals. It did like kind of tug at your heart strings a little bit. But I'll tell you, going into this movie, you, you heard rumors like this person's not going to make it. This person's not going to. I was a little disappointed and we won't go into spoilers yet, but I was like, OK, it, it, it touched me a little bit, but not as much as I thought it would. But overall, I thought it was I was entertained. It was a, I, I enjoyed myself in the theater uh, as a whole in this movie. I don't know how I felt about the whole Gamora Quill, uh, Quill storyline. I thought they could have done a better job. Like, I didn't necessarily need to see them together again. Right. But it's like outside of that little five-minute speech he gave her at the end of the movie, it's like they, they kind of danced around the whole topic until then. And it's like, eh, okay. And it's fine that, you know, it's fine the way they ended up the way they ended up, but it's like they didn't really dive into that emotional uh, storyline they could have built off of Endgame. So right. there's some hits and some misses, but overall I thought Gunn did a, a good job wrapping up this series with what he had. Like, everyone loves the characters, man. Everyone loves Drax and I, Mantis. Like, I love Mantis. So, like, everyone had a chance to shine, but, like, there are some plot points that I thought could have been carried a little more and there's some that just not uh, written enough about i guess yeah I, I agree with you for the most part on on all of those things because i you know think this is a a solid entry i think it like you said i would probably go with the same order number one is you know one of my favorites if not my favorite mcu movie so it's hard to to do better uh even though weirdly the scores right now if you took the imdb they they rank it or this is the best, and I don't agree with that. No. Um, but what I what I like about it is that even though I didn't I didn't love Rocket being kind of taken out in a way like of this movie, even though he is the center because you're doing the flashback where he's not fully Rocket or the Rocket we know, and then you're also having him literally sidelines, uh, you know, uh, fighting for his life most of the movie. So when you take rocket out of the equation, uh, him being himself, you lose a lot of the humor, uh, because he has a certain dynamic with Quill. He has a certain dynamic with Groot, obviously. And I think it affected Groot the most. Groot is basically nothing now. Like he's, he does like a few things, you know, fighting wise. That's great. But the, the, you know, Rocket would always kind of like interpret and get into it with them and they'd have like these fun kind of conversations. I think a lot of that got lost in this particular one. And to me, 
I think the best part of his stuff is the consistency in the themes that they have where it's like, it's always about trying to find your place in the world or family or the fact that they're like these misfit toys and obviously Rocket being the extreme version um, with that. And it's good to see the team back together and functioning the way we know them to be now that, you know, they're back in James Gunn's hand. So I enjoyed right. that. Um, I thought the the big group fight scene at the end of the movie is one of the better fight scenes I've seen in an MCU movie in a while. And I was really into it. And I thought, you know, with the Beastie Boys thing going and everything else, I was I was into it. But honestly, my favorite thing is probably Drax and Mantis and mostly Drax in this movie because he is the most consistently funny character. Uh, and I love how he plays off of Mantis. I love their energy together. And honestly, you know, I, you and I, uh, we, we're, we're both, we're two dads of a certain age. And, you know, we watch these movies and we're also softies. And I honestly, for how much this movie is kind of dour and really kind of tries to get you to be emotional in a lot of different areas. I think the thing that hit me the most was the line they said to Drax and kind of Drax's um turning into you know the whole you're not a destroyer you're a dad thing that right. was the thing that got me the most i think and again cuz i enjoy drax the most probably in this movie which is probably the unintended version <laughs> like people were probably like no you should love you know uh you know baby rocket you know being uh you know with his friends and all these things and you should love you know, uh, Quill and, and kind of like getting himself off the mat after uh, Gamora was gone and now Gamora's back and that whole thing. And there's a lot of other storylines. But honestly, I thought those were decent or good. But yeah, I, I, want, I want my Guardians to be fun. And that's yeah, part yeah. of my problem where a lot of this movie is re really kind of dark. And that's why I was saying it felt like X2. <laughs> but like with some laugh lines. You right. Know. And you stole a little of my thunder because uh, when you mentioned about uh, Rack, uh, Rocket being some of the humor in there with Groot, I felt like they transferred that whole comedic routine to Mantis and Drax. I thought yeah. they were the two like Laurel and Hardy. You know what I mean? Like right. I thought those were the standalones. And it worked. Like you, it worked. Drax and Mantis were the funniest parts of this movie, especially yeah. Drax. You know, like he got back and it was zone like he was in the first one i think and i said it before batista is a very underrated actor and it, it, he just encompasses this role of, of drax so they carried the humor for me but uh you made a good point because rocket being taken out for most of the movie he did have that sarcastic humor and interpreted groot and, and i didn't even think about groot in this movie to be honest with you i guess i should have but i really didn't because he was taken out for the most part, but I guess getting involved in his backstory and what they're doing to try to help him, I got lost in that fact. Like, okay, I'm, I'm okay with him being sidelined for a little bit here. But yeah, it, I, I'm with you. Like, Drax and Mantis carried the humor for me. Peter, I, I was in a weird spot with, with uh, Star-Lord this, this, this movie. Like, uh, he wasn't as funny as he normally is. He's more grounded, uh, more the step up of the leader. Uh, in this movie, so they make him a drunk, and they're you know playing Radiohead creep acoustically. Like it's a bummer to start. It's a weird I, vibe. It, it is, and this like kind of bounces off the whole Christmas special because he was a he was down and out there too. You know what right. I mean? He's been, 
ever since Gamora is not Gamora, he's not been himself. You know sure. what I mean? And that's why I wish they would address that a little bit more in this movie, and they really didn't address it. You know right. what I mean? That's where I thought it fell short. So I do like the fact that this was a standalone movie, like you mentioned before. Yeah. It didn't con- it didn't have to connect anything to anything. It was like, we're going to wrap this up the way we're going to wrap this up. It's its own story contained, not attached to any fucking universe or not <laughs> yeah. having to like promote something. I, I really enjoyed that. I yeah. enjoyed the mid-credit. We'll get into it, but I enjoyed the mid-credit scene. I could have cared less about the post-credit scene unless you saw the Christmas special. It didn't. I, I would have walked out if I knew that's what it was, but uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And we'll get into it. But overall, I'm I'm happy with it. Now they're all saying, "Oh, where are we to go from here?" No, to me, this is it. Don't make another Guardians movie. If you want Chris Pratt in another Marvel movie, I'm cool with it. But th- to me, this is the end of the Guardians story. I don't need to see any more. I don't care to see any more. Yeah. I, I'm with you, and uh, and which is a little sad for me because I like these characters, and honestly, I mean it's a it's a miracle that they get this kind of like loaded lineup to come together every X amount of years and really make this work. And obviously, James Gunn is going to be very very busy, and so you can't get that version of the Guardians again. The interesting thing, so let's talk about Chris Pratt for a second because yeah, like you said, his character kind of goes back and forth. He's He's out of sorts. He's a drunk. He's a or he's you know just it so distraught that he's not kind of been the leader they need to be, and then they take Rocket and sideline him for most of the movie, and then he kind of is taken over, uh, being that. And I, I I find it odd. Two things. One, a lot of people are kind of saying it, but not fully saying it. I wonder if because of Chris Pratt's off camera stuff that they're just kind of they're comfortable with kind of like making him a lesser character and promoting others at the same time but i also i don't know it's it's so tough when you're taking the one human character that you can really bond with and then promoting non-human characters or potentially all cgi characters and making them the center of the story and and then also people kind of being like well, Rocket has been the backbone of this team the whole time. I'm like, mm. man, the first two movies are clearly about Quill. And if if anything, right. you can make an argument that the first movie is about, you know, uh Gamora and Nebula's issues with Thanos and the and the shrapnel of what Thanos's grip on th- this particular universe was. Outside right. of that, you can't sell me that it's been rocket the whole time and then this is why this movie exists i wonder if you know they just con- consciously either thought okay this is the best story because we want this villain or they wanted to kind of move down with pratt and then elevate other characters yeah that's a tough that's a tough uh debate to have because one, you're right. Like uh, in his personal life, he's even said that he feels like what he's been like his faith or whatever you want to, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's been like uh, against him the past couple years with what he's been trying to do in Hollywood, which I get. Right, sure. I understand that. But if you go back and really think about the first two Guardians movie, basically, you know, this movie being a Rocket movie, they did hint heavily at Rocket's past, and he would get so upset. When he's like, I'm not a thing. You know, I'm not this. Right. I'm not that. Right. So they were kind of like foreshadowing his 
past storyline without giving it to us. In this movie, I felt like that's where James Gunn wanted to go. Sure. Uh, with Rocket's past and finally getting to where why he is the way he is. And he's so like just um, what's the word I'm looking for? Protective of it or defensive about it. Right. And, but you're right. The whole storyline with Quill doesn't make a lot of sense. So I don't know if that has to do with what he's going through personally. But story wise, it doesn't make a ton of it doesn't make a ton of sense, to be honest with you. So I thought they could have balanced that out better. But I understand the Rocket storyline because, again, the first, second movie, if you go back and watch them, they were hitting at that, hinting at that a lot with with his past and how like defensive oh, sure. he got when people would call him a thing or uh, a rabbit, you know, whatever yeah. they called him, you know, and yeah. he got all upset about it. Yeah. So this hedgehog, you know, I, I, they were still yeah. doing it in this movie, and I laugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I I get it, but uh, yeah, I thought they mishandled Quill uh, Quill's character a little bit in this movie. But uh, and it's a shame because Chris Pat Chris Pratt is it's phenomenal in this role and he's funny man like I yeah it's my favorite role little... of his and I think they slowly have kind of sucked some of the joy out of him whether yeah, that's his they... you know decisions or the writing or whatever it is but yeah yeah it's been my lesser uh, lesser enjoyable things with that for lack of a better term they kind of neutered him as we went along totally. in, the, in this series yeah. yeah. And it's a shame because he's my fa- he's my favorite outside of Drax. He's my favorite character in this uh, in this series. But uh, you know he comes around at the end. We'll get into it. But uh, I you know I don't know. I- I'm with you on a lot of thoughts about the whole Pratt situation. And I don't know what to make of it. I don't know what to believe. I don't know how much that goes into it because it seems like James Gunn always championed Chris Pratt no matter what. Right. So I kind of find it hard that no matter what Chris Pratt's going through, he's going to like write him a lesser role or change his character that dynamically. Sure. In this movie, so I, I don't know what to make of that whole situation. I don't either. Uh, and before we get into like maybe uh, more minute details, I did also want to put out there that I I enjoyed uh, the High Evolutionary as a villain as well because the mcu just traditionally uh is not very good at villains like you have your all-star in thanos and then if you go down the line it's like all right well who would you put at number two of like villains all time with them and it's like are we really gonna say like what killmonger or you know loki loki uh, loki and that's the thing too every time they have somebody like a loki or a winter soldier Who's a bad guy? They turn him around. Turn him around. So it's like you. It's hard to to think about you know someone who's pure evil, right? Because even uh, we went through with Christian Bale's character in Love and Thunder. You know, uh, you know, uh, someone who's labeled a god killer. You know, uh, or god butcher. Excuse me. And he's still complicated enough that like he's not all bad or like his. His breaking, he had like a breaking bad moment that everybody can understand or whatever. This one, they really went out of their way to be like, this guy's pure evil. He's a maniac. He's big. Yeah. I, I heard someone explain it and I actually enjoyed this comparison. They were like, this is what tech bros would be if it was like in space in the MCU, where it's like they only think about like the purest, like perfect thing. Don't care if they have to like go back to the drawing board, even if going back to the drawing board means, you know, killing off 
whole worlds or whatever. Like, it's just, no, 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 we're striving towards the most perfect thing, and I don't care what gets in our way or whatnot. And that's how he operated, and it made a lot of sense. And for him to also be just obsessed with Rocket and, you know, his brain and how he functions better than even the best people that he's created after him uh you know it makes a lot of sense why he would be obsessed with trying to find him and and insert that intelligence into his beings and basically you know continue the the experiments and the lab rat stuff uh on rocket himself but you know i enjoyed it from just being like you can make him one note or you could say maybe he was over the top but at least you know it's consistent and it worked in the story so i can't complain about anything uh chikwudi awuji uh i'm Mm -hmm. going to butcher uh his name but i thought he was very effective um and i loved the uh the robocop joke they threw in uh about him with like the stretch face with the piece it it was perfect i i absolutely love that part but also that kind of i was like when did robocop come out when did quill come into space i was i was doing too many like pieces of math you're but just too much math you're just too much math yeah, in there man. Too, mu- too much thinking yeah but no he was probably honestly as you laid it out the best villain we've had in a long time yeah at least um, the one that made the most sense like we've had a lot of yes. ones where i'm like oh i dig the actor or the performance but then it's like it didn't fully work for the story this one i thought at least right. had most of those characteristics the positivity in there it, yeah it was consistent throughout the storyline and every thought and every time he thought he would take a turn you know emotionally towards rocket no he was he was that bad evil guy he yeah. just did not care yeah. he had one purpose in mind and he was going to achieve that one purpose no matter what yeah so i thought he was the most consistent villain we've had the most logical villain we've had in in quite a while in the MCU, to be honest with you. So yeah. I loved it. I did. I really loved his performance. I loved his character. It made sense throughout the movie. So rock on for that one because he hit all the notes as far as being pure evil, as you put it, in, in this movie. And he was consistent. So that's what I dug about it. I can't think of a better villain outside of, uh, you know, we mentioned Thanos, obviously, as being the big heavy. But um yeah, I mean, I can't think of one in the recent Phase 4 and 5 that made more sense than the High Evolutionary, No, again, in my it's, opinion. it's probably a Loki, but then, like we said, they always have to mess with yeah, that. Yeah, they kind of ruin Loki by turning him good. We root for him, yeah. you know? Yeah, so, I, I mean, yeah, because I really can't think of anybody else. Because if, if you take it in the stages of the Avengers movies, right, it was like Loki was the big bad, essentially, of the Avengers, the first Avengers movie. Then Ultron is the big bad where nobody gives a shit, you know, about Ultron, especially long term. And then, you know, you move on into the Thanos stages, the Infinity Gauntlet saga, the Infinity Saga. And that's all she wrote because he kind of like was the big bad for everybody on on some level. Some people will maybe champion somebody like Vulture. Somebody will, like I said, Killmonger or, you know. There, there are you decent can, performances, but you can maybe argue Scarlet Witch in the Doctor Strange two movie. Sure, yeah. Although that you know was inconsistent too. Right, uh, right. So that's that, always that's tough. a stretch. Right, that's a stretch. You and, know. Yeah, and then you have movies like Civil War where it's like they're fighting each other. So like you, you kind of take out a lot of uh, those things out of the equation. So 
Um, I thought the one of the coolest looking ones was Red Skull, uh, but they really kind of just, I don't know. I thought that movie, they just kind of like steamrolled him and he didn't have a lot to do. And then they turned him into like, you know. The you know, floating after, red well, guy. Yeah, the afterlife <laughs> ghost kind of character, you know, the afterlife Sherpa, uh, whatever he's Here, doing. Here's Right. And here's what I'll say after this movie, because this is what I was really thinking about. As far as like uh, pure trilogies in the MCU, sure. Uh, the first one is obviously Captain America is the best trilogy. It's up there with the Dark Knight. You could argue what's better, Captain America, or the Dark Knight, and I'll have that debate with you all the time. I think it's because Civil but, War cheated, but I'll let you continue. <laughs> okay, but after that, it's, it to me comes down to the Iron Man trilogy and the Guardians trilogy is like what's the second best? You know what I mean? Well, now we have Spider Man, but it, I mean it's going to continue. But we have three of those too, right? Uh, you're right. You're right. You're right. I guess I've, I, as far as I'm talking like pure MCU, I guess I was thinking Iron Man, Guardians, uh, and it's, it's right up there with Iron Man for me, man. And it's debatable. Like, should I put this second behind Captain America? Should I put because you go back and forth because to me, I know you have Guardians number one. I have Iron Man. The first one is like top two MC movies of all time. Both both move both second movies in the trilogy sucked ass. Let's put it that way. <laughs> uh-huh. And then we and then we come down to the third one, which I liked Iron Man three. A lot of people didn't like Iron Man three. Yeah, I like it. But uh, Guardians three was was to me was a pretty good step. So I can I can go back and forth between. Iron Man and Guardians as far as trilogies go outside of the whole Captain America because that's not even debatable as far as MCU trilogies go that's number one right well of third in the series which is always a hard thing to do especially if you're not doing some consistent storyline or something in between I think No Way Home is probably the best third installment you're right and then it would probably be honestly I think this one um, and then you're Oh, well, yeah, again, like, so, ah, because Civil War, I think, is better than those other, but I always considered it, like, Captain America 2, uh, two and a half, or, or Avengers 2 and Avengers. a half, yes. uh, if you want, because it's so, it's so dependent on all those characters, it's not just the Steve Rogers show, so that's the tough part about me labeling that, um, right? but, yeah, that's a tough one. That's that is a tough one. If I throw that out, which I, that's where my brain was kind of going, which is unfortunate. But um, yeah, like Ragnarok, uh, Iron Man three, and and what else did we say? Who else got a third? What a oh, and Ant Man obviously is not gonna get that one. Uh, and so yeah, so I guess that's where we are. Like so, probably No Way Home. Like I said, in the tops of that. I guess. Yeah, like, I have... Okay. All right, so again, I've mentioned this before to you, Shane. I'm a big nerd. I keep track of these things. This is, what, the 32nd Marvel film or something in that range. My top five remains the same. This movie did not get that high. I still have Guardians, Winter Soldier, Infinity War, Iron Man, and the first Avengers movie. Um, I could probably be swayed into some of the ones past that to kind of move around maybe into the Avenger spot. But the top four is pretty much everybody's top four, just in different order. And I think you kind of said that to me too, right? Yeah, absolutely. My top four is Iron Man. It's exactly what you had. We just had him flip flop in different order. Yeah. So for this movie, 
I, you know, again, it's a very solid entry. I have it just ahead of Wakanda Forever, um, and it's currently just outside the top 10 in the number 11 spot. I have it sandwiched between No Way Home and Wakanda Forever. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one. I didn't go where my uh, where your nerdy brain went as far as like ranking <laughs> them right away. But to be honest with you, it just falls right outside the top ten. I would put it between eleven and thirteen. Like I liked it more than Wakanda Forever. I liked it better than any of the Ant Man movies. So it's right. Yeah, it's right there, second tier, top of the second tier for me for MCU movies. Yeah, it depends on where you drop the tiers, but yeah, I put it right in that kind of like. You know, well, and we'll get into the scores in a minute, but the ones that are dropping out of the high fours or fours and and then it drops down again. So, like, this one is in that same range as No Way Home, Wakanda Forever, Ragnarok, Far From Home, like those type of movies. Yeah, it's it's, right in in there. It's in that it's in that category to me. So um, but like we said, this one is, you know, a step up from part two. I actually, you know, I rewatched part two before part three even though they don't have that kind of cohesion i think that movie just like a lot of mc mcu movies just really gets lost in the third act uh even though the yondu thing is what people are going to remember and that's in the third act like the whole mary pap mary poppins y'all thing yeah Uh, but outside of that and honestly i wonder did you feel like yondu was missing a little in this movie too or some kind of extra element I did, but I felt like uh, James Gunn's brother there picked up the mantle, you know, with the whole yeah. trying to do the arrow thing. So I got, yeah. a, got a kick out of that. Yeah. And he's trying to be Yondu now. So I missed Yondu in this movie, but I appreciated the fact that uh, that character is trying to pick up the mantle for Yondu. I was surprised, I will say, and I won't like go into it on this, but I was surprised that Sylvester Sloan didn't get as much screen time as I thought he was going to based on the talks before this movie came out. Uh-huh. I thought he's going to be a little more prominent in this movie. Right. But he had, what, a minute of screen time? Yeah. Maybe? Yeah. Not much. Yeah. At all. So I was not to say I was a little disappointed, but they kind of misled you with that whole Sly's involvement in Guardians 3. Sure. Yeah, I guess he's trying to just fill out the punch card so he can get a free sub from James Gunn whenever, <laughs> you know, because he was in Suicide Squad. He was the the shark. And then, you know, you have the two, you know, suicide, or excuse me, the two Guardians movies. And who knows where he's going to go from there. But I'm sure Gunn will keep using him over kind of in the Nathan Fillion category where Fillion Which can, was you know, funny in this done. movie, by the way. Let's get to Nathan Fillion real quick. He was sure. the whole Star Trek costume he had rocking. Yeah, was, it, that was a whole funny scene. I like but that I really, scene. Yeah, yeah, I really thought James Gunn would use Sly in that Yondu role a little bit. Sure, but that net never materialized at all. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have that same relationship with Quill. They didn't do a great job with that in part two. So, what are you going to do for part three? You know what I mean? Like they right. just tossed him. They used it more as like a Gamora cro- uh, prop. You know, yeah. just some place for her to be, someone to kind of work with. Um, to 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 get her back in the fold and be on this mission. So I get it. You know, there's not too many things where I was just like, this completely didn't work for me. But right. I think there was a lot of things in this movie that I was like, okay, I get it. I understand it. But maybe I don't feel it as strongly as some of these other people who are clearly putting the scores are a, a lot higher. Um, and I guess we could go there. Um, we can We could do scores on this one. 
my initial feeling is, you know, because I think I put Wakanda Forever at a three and a half, and I think this movie is a little bit better. So it's in that kind of like three and a half, three and three quarters. I don't think it's a four star movie, you know, where people are giving it, you know, it's a 4.2 on Letterboxd. I think that's way too high. Um, so to me, yeah, I guess if I'm being kind, I'll say 3.75. Uh, since you like to cheat and give point two fives, um, yes, <laughs> always. I'll, it's not cheating I'll, anymore when I've been consistent for a year, Shane. <laughs> I'm not going to cheat, uh, but I, I like where your head's at because if I if I had to grade it, I would grade it a three point seven five. But since I don't do point two fives, and this was better than Wakanda Forever, it was better than Love and Thunder. Ah. Uh, because of that and how I graded previous movies, which I learned from you, Andrew. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, would, I would have to bump this. I would round it up and give it a four. But in the, my heart of hearts, it's a 3.75, but I would round it up to a four based on how I score stuff. So you know what did it for me, Shane? Because I'm not only you know put, trying to put this in the box of where it is in the MCU, but I'm also trying to put it as far as contextualizing for the year too, right? Right. And to me... I gave Creed 3 a 4. Uh, and I'm like, this movie is not that for me. Because I, the high highs, even though there is issues with Creed 3 in spots, the high highs of Creed 3 is better than the highs of this movie to me. You're making I know, me think too much. You're making me think too much now. This is God what I do, man. You, this is, <laughs> God damn you. <laughs> this is why I don't sleep. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's where that's why my brain settles on just say 3.75 stupid it's your show. So like, uh, you know, that's where my brain goes. All right, 3.75. God yeah. damn you. <laughs> yes, victory. <laughs> but I guess speaking of victories, so cuz we've been complaining a lot about the MCU. Oh, a lot, God. especially now we're in, in phase five. The rest of phase five looks very suspect, uh, especially because looking at the trailer of the Marvels that played before this movie and has been uh, making the rounds, I'm not overly you know, overjoyed by whatever that looks like right now. Uh, hopefully I could be wrong, pleasantly surprised, because, you know, we'll end up watching it. So I know this is a standalone but does it make you feel better about the MCU overall? Or is it just like, this was a nice blip on the way to wherever the hell we're going. <laughs> it, honestly, it's, it's a nice blip up to where we're going. Where we're going. Like I said, yeah. it's a single movie self-contained. I enjoyed it. I have no faith in Kevin Foggy and MCU going forward, which is hard to say because they gave us the best fucking shit we've had in like forever. But, um, I don't think he knows where he's going directionally. I just feel like they're piecemealing stuff together at this point. Right. I don't have faith in it. I don't like it, but I enjoyed this movie. So I'll continue to watch them, as will you. Of course. But I don't know where they're going. I don't like Kang as the, and we talked about the Jonathan Majors situation. I don't like him as an overarching and like a villain. I really don't. Um, I yeah, think it's, it's telling, right, that I didn't even mention him when we were talking about best villains, right? And he's yeah. going to be this whole thing. Yeah, he's going to be the whole thing, and I don't, I don't get it. I don't jive with it. I don't, I just don't like it. <sighs> and I'll be honest with you, I hate to say it, but I'm kind of looking more for uh, more towards the uh, DC uh, DCEU's James Gunn's Ver uh, universe than I am MCU right now. 
Like, I like the direction where he's heading into right now with the DC universe. Yeah. Because, again, I like Suicide Squad. I liked what they did with Peace, Peacemaker. And, yep. you know, if he's in charge of that whole thing and, you know, whether it, it's not really his design, but Flash, if that ends up being a good starting point for them and they yeah, can kind of go from there, they they might have something on their hands because I will miss James Gunn in this universe. Yeah, I will, too. But like uh, like you said, the Flash is actually getting good chatter from critics right now. And Tom Cruise. And Tom Cruise. <laughs> um, I like the Blue Beetle trailer. It looks fun. It looks original. I'm all for it. Okay. So, uh, you know, what he has lined up with the whole Swamp Thing movie and it's just different iterations of the DC characters we're not maybe used to. I like new characters on screen. So I feel like that's what he's given us with the DC universe. Uh, and I'm looking forward to it. I hate to say it because I'm a Marvel guy at heart, but I'm looking more forward to the DCU stuff than I am the MCU stuff right now. Yeah, and even then, I think it's going to take a while. Like, I, I agree with the Flash thing. I'm still very mm, iffy about yeah. Blue Beetle. Only because, like, some of the CGI look bad, and we've talked about, uh the you know, putting the, what, third lead from Cobra Kai as the lead yeah, know, in your movie and trying to go from there. So that's going to be George Lopez. Tough. And we got the George Lopez, so we got to climb up. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I think that's what an August release. So that's probably sh- Is it a July release? Jesus. Yeah. God, yeah. this year is all over the place. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with you about I think this is a blip in the MCU. I don't have a lot of faith in the Marvels and the other ones we mentioned earlier your captain america's without captain america you know the first captain america movie without rogers um and wherever that's gonna go especially because we just watched a whole captain america tv show and was like eh. um so the carryover for that isn't strong and then uh like i said they already stopped production on blade uh, and the Thunderbolts, they're hoping, like you know, like I said, to kind of take over the the Guardian mantle and have this kind of odd pairing squad of their own version of the Suicide Squad, whatever, yeah. uh, and go with that. Fine, I'm I'm in. That's cool. Some of the 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 lesser characters of some of our other series mixed with some newer characters, I'll take it. That's fine with me. Um, and obviously. We'll have to wait and see, wait and see what they do with the Kang thing because honestly, I think they have a they have to make a decision right now. Is Kang staying and being this overarching thing, or are they going to turn around and be like, okay, let's stop it here, let's figure something out, we'll do a bunch of standalone movies and then recalibrate and do something else? Because honestly, I think they can because people already were like iffy or worse about Quantumania. And unless he's a big, big part of Loki season two, and that's coming out this year too, and very soon, I think, unless he's such a prominent character in that, I think they have to maybe go for it. (laughs) But uh, I I think they would be just fine if they kind of cut their losses at this point. I'm with you. Just pivot to something else. Because again, you don't have anything strong together consistently outside of Ant-Man and Loki where it's like, oh, I can't wait for King to appear in the Avengers. No, I, I <laughs> right. honestly don't give a shit, to be honest with you. Like, Yeah. Swap and I think a lot of with, people are there. Yeah. yeah, swap out with anybody else, and I'm I'm fine. Because yeah. 
Introduce him in like the Fantastic Four movie. Okay, Doctor Doom. Let's pivot to Doctor Doom, and I'm yes, good. Yes, please. Yeah, yeah. But again, I'm we fine. have to wait until at least 2024 for that, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So that'll be interesting if that kind of like leapfrogs the whole idea of where it's gonna go. I'd be, I'd be fine with it because if they yeah, do it right, it would be exactly like the biggest thing since Thanos, because Doom is that kind of character. So yes, exactly right. I'm with you there. I think that'll wrap up this episode for us. Thank you all for listening. Uh, be sure to like, subscribe, follow us, Recent Act Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and be sure to obviously come back in the, the weeks to come here, even though we are very mixed with what May has to offer. Because, um, like I said, Little Mermaid and Fast X is probably not on the radar for us. Um, but we definitely have... A lot of TV we're still watching. Barry last night broke my brain. We can get oh, into don't that. Don't say it. I got to watch yeah. it tonight. Yeah. <laughs> and then, obviously, we're still uh, going along with Ted Lasso and a lot of these other shows that we are still heavily involved in. Um, but we'll be back on our movie business probably next week, at least in some regard, um, because Shane is going to you know, force my hand, even if I think it's... Uh, Tough to to watch the new Ben Affleck, Robert Rodriguez movie. Um, and we'll probably have a nice 10, 15 minute conversation of like, remember when Rodriguez was like the biggest director on the planet for like a minute? Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Hey, yeah. So we'll get into all that and more in the coming weeks. So like I said, subscribe down. Don't miss an episode and come back next week for more recent activity. <laughs>